none of that really matters to the average fan. The average fan wants to hear a mix that's clear, exciting, and well-balanced. They won't say it in those ways, but they can tell when those things aren't there. So first off, I just want to say welcome to the podcast. And before we jump into the episode, let me tell you a little bit about myself and what you can expect. I have been in the business now for coming up on 30 years. What we're going to talk about in this podcast are things that go on in my day-to-day life, whether it be as a manager, whether it be as a consultant, whether it be as someone who is creating products that's helping musicians all over the world. If there's something going on in the industry, we're going to talk about it. If there's a strategy that needs to be taught, we're going going to talk about it. And if there's some way that I can help get you closer to your goal, then you are in the right place because that's what we are going to talk about here on the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Now let's jump into the episode. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Hey guys, on this episode of the podcast, I am so excited to have someone that uh, we've been in both of each other's worlds uh, for some time now. Graham Cochran from Recording Revolution and I have been, it's just going to be weird how I say it, but we've been bonuses for each other. Uh, Graham, I was a Black Friday bonus for Graham last uh, Thanksgiving and he is a featured uh, contributor inside my masterclass. So not only uh, do we know each other that way, but we, we respect what it is that each other does. And with the news that came out recently with Spotify allowing independent artists to upload directly, uh, not charging the artist for that, being able to pay the artist directly, uh, really going after SoundCloud. One of the things that I don't think has been brought up enough, and that's why I wanted to reach out to you, Graham, as the expert, is no one's talking about the quality of the music and why in the beginning Spotify was making you go to a distributor and an, a third party aggregator in order to get it because there was this quality control issue. And now when they open it up to the world, you as an artist may get a chance to compete on the biggest stage with some of these biggest artists, but now you're also competing with the biggest producers and the best mixers and the best engineers. So with you having a mixing program about to release a new mixing program, I thought maybe I could get your insight on what some of these at home musicians and producers and mixers should be keep considering and keeping in mind when it comes to sending their music off to places like Spotify. And if Apple music opens the door, which I don't foresee happening because of quality control. So sure. tell us a little bit. And by the way, guys, I'm not going to waste time with Graham telling you about himself. He's a badass information relating to him will be in the show notes, but he's the dude. So just trust me on that and let's get right into what we can do to help you. Well, I appreciate the quick intro, Rick. I mean, I think this is great news for artists and this is continues to be the best time in the world to be an independent artist and news like this continues to further that claim. So I think even with YouTube, right? People could share their music with the world. So there's all these things that you could be sharing your music much easier. And I think many of the people that start to latch on to what I'm talking about are realizing, gosh, my music sounds like crap. Right. There are, they think it's good, but when we put it back up against our favorite records, you know, we realize something is really lacking and that's frustrating when you're a musician, primarily not an engineer, but you know that the tools are out there to produce your own music from home. 
And that's great because that wasn't the case 20 years ago. It wasn't nearly the same thing. But now everyone has the same tools, but you still have to know how to use them well. Right. And so that's overwhelming because it seems simple on the surface. But once you plug things in and you record, especially when you get into mixing, people are learning how to record better because that's more straightforward, I think, than mixing is. But there's so much that can go wrong in the mixing process or you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing. That's when you're balancing everything and using processing and the, the software to make it compete with the stuff you hear on the radio. It can be overwhelming. So I spend all my time focusing on how to make that simpler for people. Right. I'm not- person and I'm a musician first turned engineer out of necessity so I don't I don't geek out over the technical stuff I just want to know enough to get the result I want so I think with the Spotify thing you're gonna have more people realizing like you said my songs might be good because they have to be good I might be talented as a performer because you have to be but let's assume that those things are real how are your recordings and mixes going to stand up to everybody else because there's going to be a noticeable difference Maybe not in volume because Spotify has already been playing the whole volume normalization thing, trying right, to make right. the listening you know, environment is good for the average fan. It's not like a quiet song and a loud song, but still now if we're all the same volume, it's even harder because now the best songs, the best mixed songs will sound perfect at that volume and the ones that are crushed to death or just lacking the energy are just going to sound amateur. Right. And one of the things that they're really wanting to go after, you know, and, and here's what, what happens. And, and this always happens is that the independent artists get caught up in a game. So the game that Spotify is trying to play right now is that they tried to buy SoundCloud kind of the same way that Facebook tried to buy Snapchat. And when Snapchat refused to sell, uh, Facebook turned Instagram into Snapchat. You know, they gave it all the same features. So what happened was, is that Spotify was out trying to buy SoundCloud. It didn't happen. SoundCloud got a second round of funding. What they realized, Spotify, was that there was this subgenre, this culture, mostly of rappers uh, that were not in a financial position to be able to pay CD Baby, TuneCore, DistroKid, didn't have the ability to go into the studios and get their music mixed properly or mastered properly. And SoundCloud, you know, if you listen to it, as I respect the fact that it provided a service, and I love the fact that you can have private playlists that you can send to people and things like that if you're collaborating and working on stuff, the quality control was at zero. It's like if you had a playlist on SoundCloud, as humans, we would turn it off because of the different levels and things like that. But you said something that you became an engineer out of necessity. Now, a lot of these folks, whether they know it or not, if they're, they may have to become an engineer out of necessity because of this opportunity. What are some of the things that you started doing when you became an engineer out of necessity? And then you also have, I mean, cause you've shared it with my audience a lot. You created a freebie, a freebie, that teaches people how to make radio ready songs right on your computer and you show how they're able to compete. So when you, when it became a necessity to you, what was the first thing that you felt I needed to learn in order to compete? Yeah. So if you're opening up any recording or mixing software, and if you've got a phone, I mean, GarageBand comes on your iPhone and your Mac, and that's, that's a whole, that's a whole professional plot. You can make, I made song, I made singles on GarageBand. Just to sh- I did a whole song literally with just my iPhone without even microphones. <laughs> I just oh, wow. and I play, I put it in front of my guitar amp and I, <laughs> it's on the YouTube channel. I did the whole thing and I mixed it 
with my thumbs. It was crazy. Um, and it sounds almost identical to the version of the same song I did in my studio, which is kind of sad, I guess. I don't know if, if I'm bad in the studio or if this is just that good. But so everyone's got so, the same software. The biggest things you got to learn are EQ and compression. Those are the okay. two tools that every software is going to have. They, they are, they're built off of, you know, the old idea of having a console, right, with EQs and compressors on each channel. If you understand EQ and compression, what, what you're trying to do with it and some helpful things of how to use it well, I feel like that's where a mix is won or lost. Uh, it's not about all the effects or the delays or reverbs. It's not even the way you like to hear a mix, louder drums, quieter drums, you know, dry vocal, wet vocal. None of that really matters to the average fan. The average fan wants to hear a mix that's clear, exciting, and well-balanced. They won't say it in those ways, but they can tell when those things aren't there. Right. Doing compression are the, the boring but powerful tools that if you can get those right, you can change your tracks from being like, eh, to being like, ah, this is the way it's supposed to be you know, presented. It doesn't have to be the best recording either. Well done EQ and compression is, the, is where it's won or lost, in my opinion. Well, and I also think, too, that you know, a lot of times people hear, oh, my gosh, here's more things that I have to do. Uh, yes, or pay to get them mixed. You know, it's like it frustrates me when when artists just think that things are just going to magically appear. You know, it's like, okay, this great opportunity came in because I'm an artist and I play guitar and write songs. I'm going to now load my songs directly to Spotify and it's going to be great and I'm going to be able to compete with everyone that's out there. And that's just not real. You know, and, and what I wanted when I, when I first heard this and I saw that everyone was talking about the financial parts of this and all of this stuff. And I'm like, why isn't anyone talking about the quality part? Because ultimately, you know, we will forgive poor video. Hell, we have filters to make stuff look like crap on our phones, but we will not forgive poor audio. And I am a firm believer in that. It's like I tell people, use your iPhone, make sure you've got good vocals. If you want to sing into the microphone that's on your computer, practice with how far you need to be away from it. If you can't afford to get microphones like we have, no problem. You have a great microphone or good. I don't want to use the word great. You have a very good microphone on your computer if you don't overpound it, if you don't get too close to it. So, what are a couple other little tricks? What's, what's a way? Here's what I'd love to do. What's a way that somebody could go out right now and just practice it themselves? They could, you know, play guitar, throw some vocal in a garage band or whatever. What would you suggest they do to just play with it and tweak it? And I think this is probably a lot of what you share inside the, the handout that we're going to make sure the video series that we give to everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have a, a Mac, you've got GarageBand. Okay. If you have a phone, you've got a version of GarageBand. I would start with that because it's free. And yeah, pull up. If you're, a, let's say you're a singer-songwriter, and so you play piano or guitar and you can sing. So, you know, you don't have a band on you. So pull up some drum loops, play a little bass riff or something with your fingers or on the keyboard or a bass loop. Um, and then lay down your main instrument and your main vocal and listen back and then compare what is what most people don't do enough in the moment. They do it when they're in their car or when they're jogging, but they don't do it in the moment in the studio, which is listen to professional recordings. Ah, okay. If you're doing a Taylor Swift thing, like pull up a Taylor Swift track on your speakers, on your headphones, because we lose objectivity so quickly in the studio. So you might think your track sounds really awesome. 
But five minutes in, you don't have objectivity anymore. So the moment you switch back to that Taylor Swift track, you switch back to whatever it is that you're, that's comparable to the vibe and the genre you're in, that immediately tells you what's good sonically, right? Right. Bad speakers, even if you're in a weird sounding room, at least in that bad room, bad speakers tells you what a good mix should sound like. And it might throw you off because it might show you, oh, I need, there's not enough bass in my mix compared to that mix. Maybe I'll turn up the bass. Oh, the vocals seem a lot brighter than my vocals. How can I make my vocals brighter? Those are great ways to start to think. It's literally copying in the sense that you're training your ear to hear what's been signed off by the industry and the world is good. You may not understand what they did to get it there, but at least you can say, that sounds different than my stuff. How can I get it closer? And then what I teach people is, is the technical stuff of how to get it closer, but a lot of it can even just be the level. A lot of people want to throw effects and plugins on a vocal, but sometimes they just need to turn it up. When you bring wow. something up, okay. the presence comes back. The bass, if, it's, if it sounds small, you sometimes you just need to turn up the bass. So level is a great way to start and compare all the time to what I call it a reference track. You bring in a professional mix. You probably have to pull the volume down a bit to match your mix so you're not fooled by volume. But once the volume is closer, that tells you when you're in the ballpark or not. And that's so valuable no matter where you're mixing. Awesome. This has been some fantastic advice. And like I said, folks, we're excited that you are getting these opportunities to share your music with the world. Let's just make sure that when you get that first impression, that it's a good impression. Where would you recommend people go to learn more about you, uh, your programs? And then, like I said, at the, at the recording of this, in a couple of weeks, you're about to release a new program, first mixing program you've done in some time. Uh, and if you're hearing this after, then it will already be out. So where is it that I can send people to get some cool resources from you? Yeah, I would say to start with, I got a bunch of free stuff on the site to start off with. So you can go to recordingrevolution.com, click the free guides button. And there's a whole series on how to record a song from scratch, how to mix a song from scratch, the all sort of free video series where I literally do a song in front of you using really affordable gear. That's a great place to start. And then I want to give, give you guys something that I put together. Mixing has got so many processes and I like to make things simple. So everyone keeps asking me, what do you do first when you mix? What do you do second? So I just, I made a checklist. Oh, wonderful. It's called, you can go to mixingchecklist.com. It's a free, okay. and, and I'll send you, it's also some tracks you can practice mixing on. If you don't have a track, you could practice on someone else's track, some multi-tracks you can mix on a bunch of other goodies. And if you're watching this before the new course launches, which is called Mixing University, um, it'll put you on an early access list to hear about that. But the, you'll get the checklist. It's a downloadable PDF. And I make it in such a way that like you could print it out or put it on your phone and like right. the mix. Okay, where am I? This, 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 and this. And there's eight steps that I follow mentally when I mix to make sure I don't skip anything. Oh, wonderful. So we'll make sure those are in the show notes as well. But uh, man, I'm super excited for you. I'm super excited for the new program. I know the folks in my masterclass uh, got a got a ton out of uh, what it is you did when you showed them how to record a song from scratch. Uh, I, what, what I like to do, folks, is I like to eliminate excuses. So inside my masterclass, uh, they said, well, I don't play an instrument. Great. I got Charlie Wallace that teaches you guitar. Well, I'm not that good of a songwriter. Great. Here's Martin Sutton that'll teach you how to write a song. Well, I can't afford to get in a studio. Great. Here's Graham Cochran. You know, so I just went out and found the best of the best that have programs. There's a lot of people that can do, but not a lot of people that can teach and very few that can do both. Graham is one of those 
that can do both. And as you just heard yourself, he's very easy to listen to. He's, he's very easy to just show you step by step. So that's why I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, you can go to rickbarker.com. Click on the podcast link. Not only will you get the show notes and all the things that Graham talked about today, you can always go back and listen to past episodes. You can down a free, download a free copy of my book while you're there. And if you found that this was useful and something that you feel someone could benefit from, I'd love for you to share it and uh, give a review. Send me a note, whatever it is. I'm always interested to know what you guys think, and I appreciate you. And uh, Graham, I appreciate you. And I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Remember, there is no one-size-fits-all model when it comes to the music industry. So check out my website, rickbarker.com, take the quiz, and I will send you information specific to you to help make sure that you are on the right track. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there.